Well, I asked Steve Adelsberg, who's been a great friend and a wonderful supporter over the years, to uh, just jump on. As I said, as we get to the late part of the week during these weeks, we get more and more serious about our fundraiser. That's why Simon Jacob was on an hour ago. And um, and Steve said for sure he'd spend a minute with me asking everybody to give and to go to fjbunity.org. Uh, but I think he said it was on the condition that we talk about the dearth of spectator sports at this time. Uh, he may have been kidding about that, but just a minute ago off the air, of course, every conversation about sports uh, among among Jewish people ends up at Sandy Koufax, and he claims that he has a great story about Koufax. Steve Adelsberg, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you, Nochum. I actually heard a Russia Shiva. I'm not kidding about this, by the way. I heard a Russia Shiva say that Koufax was Kona Olamhaba Bishah Achas, that Koufax acquired his portion of the world to come when he decided in front of the entire world, and you know that we mean that when we say that, because we know what baseball is like in this country, when he told the entire world he would not play on Yom Kippur. Well, I have to tell you, Nahum, this goes back to 1965. Right. The Dodgers were playing. The Dodgers were playing the um, were playing the Minnesota Twins, and of course, the first game was going to be on Yom Kippur. Right. And we all know the story. And I was a kid. I was like uh, at that time. I was 12 years old, and I'm saying I live out in the East Meadow. You know, basically, we had three times a year Jews out in the East Meadow. You know, they go to shul three times a year. Right. Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur. Right. So for me, and everyone went to shul Yom Kippur. Everybody. You know, I was the, that was the godless. That was the greatness of Yom Kippur. It was a unity. So when Colfax announces, I'm not pitching Yom Kippur, my thought was, how could you pitch on Yom Kippur? What Jew would ever pitch on Yom Kippur? What, you, know, you want a medal? Thank you for being Jewish. Thank you for doing what you're supposed to do. And that's, a, and, that's, and that's how I felt. Now, of course, the funny story was who pitched that game instead of Koufax? That was, was Drysdale. Correct. Uh, Drysdale. I love, I love this. I love this. Gets, gets knocked out. And he had a very bad second to third inning, if I remember. I can't say I knew the game out well. It was Yom Kippur. But we're sitting, Walter Alston, who, by the way, Koufax in his in the biography done by I believe Jane I don't remember how PV uh, Jane PV right wasn't it right and she and she says Olson who Koufax claimed was an anti semite he said he never would look him in the eye he wow. you know when he pitched that big game he said I'm gonna go with the lefty wouldn't even say Koufax by his name he claimed so Olson saunters out to the mound. And he looks at Drysdale, and Drysdale looks at him, and he turns to Dry- and Drysdale turns to Olsen again and says, "I bet you think, I bet you wish I was Jewish, don't you?" <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I love that, that story. That was, that was a good part of the story. So here we have Koufax doesn't pitch, comes back. He comes, uh, the guy who got him back into that series was a guy named Claude Osteen, right. who came over. They traded for Frank Howard. And he pitched good. And, you know, the nurse is history that Koufax pitched the fifth game, and he came back two days rest in the seventh game. Right. So this was 1965. We fast forward to the year 2000. Sports Illustrated makes Sandy Koufax the athlete of the century. One of the, one of the what you call it, one of the writers writes an article, the athlete of the century. Of the previous hundred years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 2000. He put, this, is, this, this writer puts him up there for that. And he says like this, and he said this phrase that stuck with me, you know, for the last 20 years. He put his team ahead of himself, and he put God ahead of his team. Whoa. 
This is what, they, this is what he wrote in the article. And I said, this is the headline of the article. I said to myself, anyone does something 35 years prior, and they're still talking about it as a kiddush Hashem. Yeah. Hey, what should I call it? Who am I to say, hey, it's not a big deal for him not to pitch in Yom Kippur? And I, the respect I had that he said, hey, this is not what I do. And he had, and he went to a shul in Minnesota that day. He actually went to shul. And, uh, you know, and of course, the rest is history. But he was just a very straight guy. He had the respect of the team. He really did. But he had, you know, he felt that uh, that he wasn't treated right by Olsen. And also, you know, he felt he wasn't a certain time when the day, when the Chicago Tribune was, uh, owned, the, owned the Los Angeles Dodgers, years back, they wrote some articles not so nice about Sandy, and he did not, uh, he wouldn't go to spring training when they were right. the owners. And when, yeah. And when, and when they, what's it called, and when they sold the team, that's when he came back. Sandy's but, from Brooklyn, he knows how to hold the grudge, but at the same time, he, he, he knows how to behave properly, as you saw, yeah. and, 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 and always conducted himself uh, with uh, tremendous pride and uh, tremendous grace. Steve Adelsberg is with us live via telephone, so it doesn't surprise you that a Russia Shiva would say he was Kona Olam Haba. And Steve, one other point, and everyone knows you, how connected you are to Israel, and I can only imagine uh, the, the difficulty or the pain for people like yourself who are used to traveling to Israel on a regular basis and now because of corona or not. But, but all of this, and this is what the kids have to understand, all of what you just described happened before the Six-Day War, happened before that miracle when all of a sudden people felt more comfortable wearing a yarmulke, people felt more comfortable telling them people at work that they were Jewish, people felt more comfortable putting out a Hanukkah for Hanukkah. You know, this is 1965. This is before that Six-Day War had that, had that transformative experience for the world and gave the world a transformative experience where we had that Jewish pride and didn't feel like we had to hide it. Koufax, before that, went ahead and right. told the world this is how he's going to do it. Right. And, you know, you, you check back for a time, 1967, in the Six-Day War, it was the pride we had of being Jewish. There was, not, there, was, there, was not, there was nothing like it. It was, you know, we came to school Monday morning. Monday morning we came to school, and we didn't know anything because Israel wasn't talking, and Egypt says they're going, they're, they're going into Tel Aviv. Right. And we just, we were supposed to take us in June, we're supposed to take a Gemara Bechina that day, and the teacher walks in, and he says, no test today, boys. Puts a radio on his desk, INS 1010. We listen to the news, we shut it off, and we set to hill him every 15 minutes. Wow. wow. And when, the, and, and, and when and MTA, when Rabbi Rum came in to do his oral Bechina, the Rebbe said, not today. And we all felt that. And then on Monday, you know, we, we, we Tuesday... The news started coming in. Wednesday morning, you know, remember, seven hours ahead of Israel, we're going down to an assembly, and I remember the word starts spreading around, Sahel captured Hebron. Of course, we'll find out later. It wasn't Sahel who captured Hebron. It was Rabbi Gorin. Correct. Single-handedly. He was jeeping the town, and they handed him the keys. Correct. You know, you know, you think about that for a second. You know, one of the most militant Arab towns you could find is Hebron. And what you call it, and, and here, he drives right in with his Jeep, just him and his driver, thinking Sahal's in there already, yeah. and uh, they surrendered to him. But we sat down, we discussed, we heard Hebron, we couldn't believe it, and they asked, who's going down to, who wants to go down to Washington for a rally the next day on Thursday? The whole class, the whole school gets up, raises their hand, we're in. I mean, it was like, you know, we were 12-year-old, we were, we were 13-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. 
All I know is a 14-year-old. All I know is going down to Washington. You can imagine, you know, buses break down. And on the side, there were buses who broke down, waving Israeli flags and waving all the buses on. It was a show of actors that I don't think we ever saw since then. The only time we had a glimpse of that, again, was 1976 in Entebbe. Right. Again, you walked around and people looked at you that you were identified as being Jewish. Yep. They, they congratulated you in the street. Kol HaKavod Latzal. Kol HaKavod Latzal. The Six-Day six War, they said, who are you guys? Yeah. Listen, I, mean, I, I see already we're going to run out of time. i got to ask you a couple of things. What? And I don't want to put you on the spot because it's not like you're required to run to Israel. After all, as you just described, you're a teenager. When was the first time you were in Israel post-1967? Do you remember? You sure do. I remember it was 1972. I'm getting off, and right the week beforehand, they had the terrible, terrible terrorist attack for the two for the Japanese in Lud Airport when they opened their luggage and they sprayed the and right. they sprayed the whole airport. Right. And um, we came the week after that. We walked in. They had a they had an Israeli soldier. As you walk, remember you didn't you didn't you, didn't, you walked down a plank you walked down the plank you walked you walked into the on the airport on the airport tarmac. Right. And he just stared everybody down who was coming off that plane. <laughs> and I said, okay, I know where we are now. Yeah, this is like, and and but, you were hoping he wasn't after you. <laughs> yeah, you know, you did, you, you know, all of a sudden, all that wise guy training you. Right, Shiva, exactly. Went out the door. Exactly. You, you, said, you, you, suddenly, you suddenly learned to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. All the, all the wise guys. But it was... But it was like that first memory of going to Eretz Israel was like, you know, wow. But you know, I said when you went back then, you know you were in, let's say, how you say, in an Arab side of the town. You know how? When you saw the Pepsi signs. Oh, Pepsi wow. Never, they wouldn't export sold, to Israel, Pepsi right? They didn't sell to Israel. Right. So if you saw a Pepsi sign, you, were, you know you were in this to be. And you weren't scared, by the way. Right. You just, you walked anywhere you want. And, you, you know, I remember I drove to Hebron down myself in a car. You didn't, didn't even didn't think. Right. You know, uh, years later, um, Dr. Sillenfreud, who was an ophthalmologist, and he wrote a book, Eight Jogging Units, uh, Eight Jogging Routes of Yerushalayim. It's a great book. He tells you what you're seeing. Interesting. So I'm doing one of the routes, and I realized I'm in Sawan. What am I doing? Hello, oh, what am I doing here? Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, and, I, and it was funny. I'm, it's early in the morning. I got my running shorts. I'm running through the city. The, up the, it's, you know, if you know so on, it comes up to back of of uh, the Kotel. And I'm dr- running uphill, and an Arab sees me and gives me a look like, what are you doing here? Are you not so? <laughs> it's like, you know, I told Dr. Sillenfront in his book, you hope you have some pro- uh, some product liability because four of the routes are not going to get you where you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He's got to be careful about where he's advising people to jog in Jerusalem. Steve Adelsberg is with us. By the way, I don't even know. He's right. All we got to do is start talking about sports, and it's all evident why you have to support us here at JM in the AM, because this is the only network that is bringing you Kofax stories, six-day war stories, and this is the type of thing that goes on every day. And therefore, I'm asking all of our listeners to go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and to support us. Again, fjbunity.org, and support us. Now, Steve, uh, I have a message from an old friend of both of ours who has just texted me. Um, and I'm sure once I tell you who his uncle was, you'll know exactly who's texting me. He writes, Sandy Koufax davened in my uncle, Bernard Raskus's shul in St. Paul on Yom Kippur. So you know that Stanley's listening very carefully. <laughs> right. Oh, listen. 
Stanley Stanley was my how do you was my swimming counselor in Camp Massad. Now I didn't want to go to swimming. I wanted to play ball. Right. I didn't want to go in there. And uh, so I had a, my yeshiva experience. I would sneak into the infirmary, get those notepads saying that you're excused from swimming because you had a cold. <laughs> take a whole bunch, put them in there. And uh, when Stanley was there, hey. We didn't call him Stanley. It was Shalom Raskus. And he was like, he was part of the St. Louis contingent. Yep, I mean, yep. He was a Cardinals fan. Yeah, exactly. What's that all about? So, <laughs> so I, was, I was the first guy to forge what you would call uh, doctor's notes to get out of swimming on my side. But Stanley was my uh, was my counsel back then. It was very, you know, as I say, those were the years. And I, I think, tried, didn't we get a great catcher from St. Louis? Wasn't Yogi from St. Louis? Yo, he was the same with Joe Garrett. Joe right. They grew up in the same. They grew up in the same block. Right. You know. You know. Joe going on to going on to today fame, and uh, but as I say, but one thing about Nachum and like you know, you really are a man for the underdog. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you. You all the years I've known you, the only guy I know who's been a natural Mets fan. <laughs> All these years. That's right. New Jersey Nets. Not Brooklyn New Nets. Jer- New Jersey New Nets. J- New Jersey Nets. And, you know, and, and I've, of course, been going to that game because, you know, I'll go to cockroach races if you, know, if you give me a t- good ticket. The last, but, uh, the last sporting event you were at, you told me, was the net game before Purim on that Sunday night. And can you imagine that we haven't seen a live sporting event since that time? I was the last, I was the last game. I think I don't know if I caught the, the corona there. I don't. I like to think so, but my kids say, you know, uh, I was near Kevin Durant who got COVID nineteen. Right. He, he caught the virus, right. and they said, "Yeah, my father caught it from Kevin Durant." Nice story. <laughs> that <man>. sounds good. <laughs> that actually... Kevin and I didn't hang together. <laughs> Even though I will tell, I will tell you a great story. You know, I have I have pretty decent seats in the Nets, as we know. And, <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there, and this guy next to me. This is goes back 10, 15, 10, 12 years ago. He doesn't look like an athlete, but everyone's coming over to him. He's he's African American, nice enough guy, but he's, his pants are falling off him. I don't know what that was about. And he's sitting shoulder to shoulder. I turn to him. I say, "Tell me, who are you?" He goes, "Who am I? I'm Jay Z. You don't know who I am." Oh, you were in the row with Jay Z. Yeah. Wow, one one so time say, part owner of the Nets. And, I, and I'm saying to him. Who's Jay-Z? Who's Jay-Z? <laughs> I'm I have no clue who he is. My kids are watching me on the other side of the street, you know, and they're cracking up, because they know I have no idea who this guy is. And he says to me, where you been? And I say, and I say to him, where I've been? I've been here. Where you been? Yeah. <laughs> but that was my introduction to him. And uh, you that- know, I can tell you some very, very great, funny stories about, uh, about sitting there down the nets. But I know you appreciate the fact that yes, you are a net friend from day one. All I know, like- all I know, and now that you've started telling these stories, I'm going to tell the audience that the first time you ever invited me to use your tickets at the net game, you said to me, "Be careful because if you stretch out your legs, you will trip the players." And I, <laughs> and I looked at, and I looked at you with my eyes rolling, and then of course you proved to be completely correct. That's how close we were to the court. So it was very cool <laughs> and a great experience. <laughs> I will tell you, I gave my very good friend Larry Malitsky the tickets, okay? And he, says, he, he, go, he walks into the stadium, and the stadium has this promotion that we're going to upgrade your seats. They have this promotion. Wherever you are, you're getting an upgrade. You're sitting in the top, you're going to the bottom, you're sitting in the bottom, you're going this, yada, yada. So they come over to Larry, and they say, hey, we have a great 
thing for you. We're giving you an upgrade to your seats. To where? Larry looked at him and says, unless you're putting me in the locker room, yeah. you're not going to do me any good. I don't know. But they probably wanted to put him in a suite, and he didn't want to leave the court, right? <laughs> That's probably what it was. Oh, is that funny? We're going to upgrade your seats. That is funny. It's a, you know, one thing we used to always have, when I took my kids, remember this is going back years and years already, my kids are all Baruch Hashem grown up. One of the things was is that we had a rule. I had a rule. No autographs. Right. No autographs. Right. I remember you telling me this, right. And I said, people said, why no autographs? Said, we have to have a line. It has to be the hub deal. Right. It's a lot of fun. Right. And, like, you know, one of the greatest things we had was is that I, had a, I used to sit down front there. They used to call me the rabbi. And uh, they knew Friday night in Shabbos, I wasn't showing up. Right. And then I used, and they would say, said, hey, it's the rabbi. If, Who's using the rabbi seats tonight? <laughs> and uh, uh, I could have been a good idea to be a rabbi when I was back at MTA, but that could help me. <laughs> Steve, Steve, I got two minutes, but I got to ask you, would you make the same rule today with selfies with the kids, or you don't know? Wow, interesting. And also, one of the best days I had with you ever, and I'll tell the audience, we, we've gone to Yankee games together before, and I, and I thank you for that, and we have a great time. We try to go once a year. It doesn't usually work out, but we get there once every few years. And, and last summer, when we were together at Yankee Stadium, the last 20 minutes, I think it was a rain delay, and then they restarted, but we sort of lost interest. And the last 20 minutes, you sat telling me stories about Camp Massad, and you had told me, I thought, because I was in Marashah you know, during that era, I thought I knew all the terms for all the camp activities. But you had all these obscure baseball terms in Hebrew that they had created. Anyone who went to Massad <laughs> will tell you, double plays at Ducey Luke. You had a Ksaya, ain't Kolea, no pitcher. We used to, I mean, we played this game in Hebrew, and it was by osmosis. And what was the double? Was, what was the double play again? Ducey Luke. Ducey Luke. Ducey Luke. Ducey Luke. Tough, you know, nobody, and nobody knows what that even means. <laughs> you, 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 one of the classic Mossad words. So, from people from Israel, from uh, they hear this even they crack up. What do we? <laughs> Yes, is really for a sweater. He'll say sweater. Right. What is the guy from 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 Masad says Simria. That's the real. <laughs> that's the real words for sweater. That's what the, no. It's a Masad made up word. Ah. You know they put it together. Got it. You know, and I always remember when someone would say, "Okay, to the better if you had to talk Hebrew," right. and someone says substitution, and some the head of the camp Rivka Shulzman says substitution, which I got. Rakivrit. So she goes, goes, Substitutia. Substitutia. I love it. Uh, Steve Adelsberg, can't thank you enough. As I said, everybody, this is a perfect example of a conversation that's only happening here. If you, if you, if you like the fact that we're trumpeting and uh, talking about uh, great Jewish camping and people like Sandy Koufax and making a Kiddush Hashem and speaking about Israel both pre and post 1967, support us here at JMDM. Steve, you have 30 seconds. Could you encourage everybody to please go to fjbunity.org and help in our 2020 fundraiser? Nachum, there's no question. You right now are our light. We get to see things. I'm sitting here on my porch in Manhattan Beach. I saw something that was very rare. I was just taken back. I saw a commercial plane go by. Really? And he, yeah, I saw it. I said, wow, where are you going? And wow. But during this time when we were all just really just wondering where is it going to end, where is it going, and to have you as our anchor and to really to give us the news and to be able to be the voice for the for us and to give us the our spirits, and whatever. I thank you. 
And I hope people could support this cause of, like, you know, bringing us together and talking about important things and really just and things that are not so important. <laughs> that's that's true. I, I I'm not going to mention those, but I will highlight the stuff that's important that we discuss. <laughs> right. I, mean, listen, I could tell you. I could tell you a lot of Homer stories of the Anna Rebbe also. But <laughs> I know, and and unfortunately, this year you weren't there. But hopefully, next year you will be Bezrat Hashem. Hopefully, but they said I'll leave you with this. You know, the Rebbe took twenty five people without twenty five people. Right. I said to the Rebbe, you know. We can make a really good fundraiser here. That's I don't think we'll right. be going so we don't have any problems. Not a joke. And Not a joke. Not a joke. <laughs> Let him know. Let the Rebbe know that the uh, Biadrishtibel on East Broadway is still is still hopping. I'm not quite sure what I mean by that, but I know that it's <laughs> the last time I passed it, it's still there at least. Steve, thank you so much, and uh, thanks for All your friendship. Best, and it's, lots of luck to you today in your 36th year. On as I say, last night was thirty-five, so it's a good day. Oh, that's right, thirty-six coming up tonight. Thank you, I appreciate that. Thirty-six years, folks, and thirty-six in the Omer comes up tonight. And a big thank you to our good friend Steve Adelsberg. He reminds you about fjbunity.org. Please keep us going, everybody. As we get toward the end of the week during our fundraiser weeks, we get really serious. So please fjbunity.org fjbunity.org 